so my name is Katie Hagen, and my husband Dylan and I have been a part of New Life here since pretty much the very beginning. And a couple of years ago, um, a couple of years ago, <laughs> we'll get to that. A couple of months ago, uh, Chad and the leadership team here had asked me if I would be willing to speak. We've had an interesting couple of years, and so he thought it would be beneficial if maybe I shared some of my experiences and how God and faith intersects with those challenging life experiences. So. Of course, when they ask me this, they always like to back it up with, oh, but Katie, you do this for a living. It'll be easy. So if you don't know me, I, um, by profession, I'm a news anchor. And so I just want to assure everybody that what I do for a living is very different than what I'm about to do today. Um, when I do for a living, there's just a camera in the studio staring at me. There aren't a bunch of eyeballs. Um, there is a prompter where the words I'm supposed to say roll across the camera, and all I got to do is read them. Okay, so no, also no humans are watching, and I am not talking about myself. I'm always talking about crazy things other people have done. So, Chad, this is very different from what I do every day for a living, but uh, I really felt uncomfortable when he asked me that, and in my beliefs, when you feel uncomfortable, it's probably a good sign, and you should probably go for it. So, and who can tell Chad no, quite honestly? He was about to go on sabbatical, um, I believe comfort zones are made to be broken. So I said, sure, I'll do that. And so here I am. Um, so I've never, like I said, I haven't really ever done this before. So I hope you'll give me grace and bear with me as um, I try to get through this. Uh, I'm going to be sharing from a couple different scriptures today. I'm going to be starting in Romans chapter 8, verse 28. And I'm also going to go around to 1 James chapter 1, verses 2 through 4. So if you want to be looking those up um, while I continue here, that's where we're going to be. I have a couple disclaimers, though, that I want to offer first. Um, I in no way assume that what my family and we have experienced is any different or more extraordinary than what other families here have experiencing. I know there are other families at New Life that are currently going through challenges as well. And so I'm just doing what I was asked, and that's to share my story, and hopefully someone else who hears this today will be encouraged. I also want to let you know, I think I've mentioned it already, but this is the first time I've spoken about a lot of this publicly. Like some of what I'm going to talk about today, I think I've said out loud maybe two or three times. So um, sometimes I talk about these things and I'm fine, I'm cruising, it's all good. Other times I talk about these things and I turn into a hot mess. So I have a decent amount of adrenaline running right now, so I think we'll be okay. But if you're one of those people that gets uncomfortable when other people show emotion, we could have some fun today. So just be prepared for that and you have been warned. Okay, so we're going to get back to Romans 8.28, which reads, And we know that in all things God works for the good of those who love him, who have been called according to his purpose. Those who love him. I personally cannot remember a time I didn't love or know Jesus. I was raised in the United Methodist Church, and from an early uh, time, I can't remember Jesus not being in my life. I sang all the children's choir songs. Dylan will tell you that I can still sing many of them. Um, and I was an active member of our youth group as I got older, and I accepted Christ into my life when I was about 13 because, well, why wouldn't I? I was blessed with a family who loved and supported me. I didn't want for much, and the extent of my bold prayers that TJ spoke about last week went to praying for test scores or maybe music performances, and most times God came through. Dylan would say pretty much the same thing, but he would probably likely have been praying for passing class and sports victories. So now we're going to get to our backstory. A lot of you know us here as the Hagens, Dylan, and Katie, and a few of us, a few of you may know us before we even had our kids. But before we were Dylan and Katie, we were two kids growing up in small town Midwest America. 
We both grew up in loving homes, as I mentioned. Both sets of our parents are still married. We were offered every opportunity, and we were loved and supported. Dylan spent his days in Wilton, Iowa, as a proud member of a moped gang. His moped was well-loved and didn't even have a working horn. So Dylan used the next best thing to let people in town know that he had arrived, an air horn. I spent my summer nights in Geneseo, Illinois, catching lightning bugs with the neighborhood kids and knew that when the street lamps turned on, I better get home quick. We both rode our bikes to school, were active in numerous activities through high school. Dylan excelled athletically, I excelled academically, we were both raised in the church and were active attenders of our youth groups and came to know Jesus fairly early in our lives. Dylan went on to go to Cornell College. I like to let people wonder if he went to the Cornell University in New York first. He wrestled and played baseball there, Cornell College, a small, uh, Grinnell, Iowa, small little town there. And he would get degrees in psychology and education, both of which he uses, he's just not paid for it. I ended up going to the University of Illinois where I joined a sorority, spent several years in the marching Illini, and studied broadcast journalism. It was always what I wanted to do. I graduated and got my dream job working in television news. We were set. We made all the right choices, enjoyed endless family support, and for the most part, were able to steer our lives in the general direction that we wanted to go. And at this point, the only thing missing was each other. We would eventually meet online using eHarmony. Before meeting people online was accepted, this was when it was like really awkward and you didn't want to tell anybody that you'd met someone online, well before Match.com or Tinder. <clears throat> when we met online, I like to say only ugly people needed the internet to find their mate. <laughs> I knew I didn't want to meet Mr. Wright in the bars where TV folk hang out after their newscasts, and I certainly wasn't going to meet him during my daily morning activities that included Ladies Golf League. And my mom was the first person who suggested I go online to meet my future husband. And I remember being so offended. <laughs> I did not need to go online to find a husband. A little time went by, and I think it was my brother who came up with the idea next. And I still wasn't crazy about it, although it wasn't as crazy as when my mom suggested it. And finally, my best friend mentioned it. I created an online profile, and a couple months later, I was matched with Dylan. We hit it off right away, and after meeting so many Mr. Not-Rights, I knew I'd finally found Mr. Right. So on Mother's Day of 2011, Dylan made the best decision of his life and asked me to marry him, and lucky for him, I said yes, and in October of that year, we tied the knot. I always like to joke and say that Dylan made the best decision, but truthfully, that decision is the single best decision I have yet to make as well. So at this point, each of us had a very... I call it a safety net faith, that we believe that Jesus suffered and died for us, that God is with us through all things, and that believing that Jesus died and rose from the dead, we would go to heaven. Pretty easy to say those things when life is easy peasy. Romans 8.28 was a pretty good summation of our faith at that time. In all things, God works for the good of those who love him, who have been called according to his purpose. Clearly, that meant God was working through all our calculated good decisions and like I said, that's pretty easy to say with our life experience at the time. I remember thinking how vanilla our testimony was. We would meet people who'd overcome drug addictions, family estrangements, alcoholism, infertility, and here we were, no major struggles. And looking back, that was a really silly thing to think. Stupid, in fact. Who thinks, gosh, God, why don't I have any of these challenges to experience life transformations? Not one of the smartest things I've ever thought. 
I remember thinking all of our carefully calculated decisions were preventing us from experiencing that deep transformational faith I'd seen others get to experience. As if it was our decisions controlling anything. It's gonna get good, just wait. As a career-focused person with a white-knuckled grip on my life, as newlyweds, we navigated my getting a new job and moving here to Wichita. We put in a few years at another local church, met Chad, and knew we wanted to be a part of something that held us more personally responsible for sharing Jesus with the nuns, people who have no church affiliation. And we've been a part of the community here at New Life pretty much since the very beginning. And this is where our, our idyllic world starts to change. And I'm going to explain something here. For whatever reason, God gave me the gift of remembering dates. He gave Dylan the gift of remembering to put the dates in his phone so he remembers them. But he gave me the gift of actually remembering the dates. I think I know more birthdays and anniversaries on Dylan's side of the family than he does. So fortunately or unfortunately, I just remember the days things happen, especially big things. So when I go through this little timeline, this isn't because I've like written this down and looked all this up. All of these things that have happened to us are just burned in my brain. I can't forget when they happened. James uh, chapter 1, verses 2 through 4 reads, Consider it pure joy, my brothers and sisters, whenever you face trials of many kinds, because you know that the testing of your faith produces perseverance. Let perseverance finish its work so that you may be mature and complete, not lacking anything says joy. He doesn't say, just get through it, brothers and sisters, or try not to be angry and bitter when things fall apart. He says, consider it pure joy. He also says, whenever you face trials of many kinds, not whenever God gives you trials of many kinds. So many times people will share with good intentions that God doesn't give you what you can't handle, or God knew this was coming and he prepared you for this. I assure you, as I share the events that have happened in our lives, I was most definitely not prepared. Of course, God doesn't give you what you can't handle either, because if you can't handle it, what's the alternative? Plus, if you believe God doesn't give you what you can't handle, then you believe that God gives children cancer, or God causes families to fall apart because of divorce, and that's just not true. So to circle back, we're considering it pure joy when we face trials of many kinds, because you know that the testing of your faith produces perseverance. Let perseverance finish its work so that you may be mature and complete, not lacking anything. Keep this verse in mind as I share the following details. And I promise that as we go through this, I'm going to get back to joy, but it's going to get a little rough first. So we'll begin. New Year's Eve of 2017, we found out I was pregnant with our third child. It was a pleasant surprise, as much of a surprise being pregnant can be. And we started making plans for how 2018 would be much different than we originally anticipated. Sadly, that joy was short-lived, as three days before my 37th birthday, uh, we found out I had miscarried. For as common as we're told miscarriage is, no one handles it well. Not the medical staff, not nurses, not doctors. Ooh, here we go, sorry. It's all a lot of horrible conversations, awkward questions, let alone what happens to your body. It is the most undignified experience you can imagine, and there is nothing that makes it better. Even now, five years later, I have vivid images and conversations during that experience, but I can't forget. Okay. Dylan somehow knew to be the best support system, even when processing it all himself, and it was definitely not a time I remember finding joy. Moving on. In early July of 18, we learned I was pregnant again, and we were cautiously excited, trying our best not to let our experience earlier that year steal our newfound joy. 
We were thrilled, but also concerned, because later that month, I was notified that while my morning newscast had again won best newscast, our show's ratings were higher than ever, and I'd been a great employee with perfect employee reviews, I was being let go because the station was going another direction. Apparently, they didn't like being the best. Once again, our joy felt like it was being snatched away. This news was completely unexpected and probably stressed Dylan out uh, the most, as I could distract myself with a new baby on the way while he was figuring out how to pay for the baby. While I'll never forget how I was treated when I was let go, it turned out to be the best because it forced me into a position I don't think I'd ever have voluntarily chosen, and that was the role of stay-at-home mom. Dylan will tell you how nervous he was at how this transition was going to go because uh, being after more than a decade of being career-driven and work-focused, I found myself never being happier wiping butts and handing out snacks. To this day, if you had told me 10 years ago that I would be a mom of three driving a minivan wearing yoga pants in the school pickup line, I would have punched you really hard. But here I was and am living the dream. Exciting times came in 2019. Our third son, Shepard, arrived in March. And in October of 2019, after years of renting, we finally decided to buy a home. We found the perfect place in the perfect neighborhood. Thank you. Um, in the perfect location with the perfect yard, and it was even in our budget. In fact, the one and only time I looked at homes in our budget was the day I found our current house. I like to look at, you know, the big $400,000, $500,000 homes. Who wants to look in their budget? That's not very fun. <laughs> Two days before closing, it was Dylan's turn. He called me in tears to tell me he'd been let go from his job. Again, it was completely unexpected. It was an awkward phone conversation because poor Dylan is all choked up telling me what's going on, and instead of being a supportive spouse, I was so confused and kept spitting out silly questions like, well, what do you mean? What are you talking about? What happened? Huh? I just couldn't figure out why they would let him go. Our supportive family to the rescue again, and my parents help us, helped us salvage our home purchase, which was great, but now we were two jobless people with three young kids and a new house to pay for. I won't bother to mention the dog who also needed a pacemaker battery replacement during this time. Yes, a dog can use a pacemaker, but it's expensive. And to this day, I don't know how much it costs and I don't want to, but Dylan made it happen. And that's a story for another day. You can ask him about it. We started turning to the phrase, it's just money. All of that made COVID seem pretty simple. That came up next. And thankfully that's one thing that really didn't phase us over the next year. Dylan ended up finding a new and better job like we knew he would, and I managed to land a part-time job anchoring the primetime news for Fox, Kansas, which was perfect. In my mind, full-time work was no longer an option for me as I learned I would much rather spend my time with our boys. So I started working there in April of 2020. By that December, I had started to experience some concerning health symptoms and looked into getting a colonoscopy. As an ulcerative colitis sufferer since I was 12 or 13, it wasn't uncommon for me to do this. But that colonoscopy started an unknown six-week battle with an extremely serious bacterial infection called C. diff. And if you know C. diff, you know. My health deteriorated really quickly so that we made the choice to head to Mayo Clinic in Rochester, Minnesota, just praying that they could find some time for a doctor to see me. We had called for an appointment. You could never get an appointment for like another three months. In three months, I would be dead. So we were like, we're just going to go show up and see what happens. Mayo Clinic is known for having the best gastroenterology department in the world, and I had been taken there as a child to actually get my diagnosis, so we had faith that they would be able to help me this time too. 
We blocked out a week of our lives to try and get an appointment. We had a week where we planned to just show up bright and early every morning and sit there and wait in the lobby and see if they could fit me in to see someone. And many of you here prayed for us during that time, and thankfully our prayers were answered fairly quickly. We ended up waiting all day Monday, but Tuesday I got an appointment, and Mayo's Dr. Sunanda Kane, I will never forget that name, accomplished more in 24 hours than my doctors here had done in six weeks. Sadly, I had to go to Mayo to be diagnosed with C. diff. While it's a serious infection, it's also fairly common and fairly easy to diagnose. That was February of 2021. Dr. Kane was an angel and got that awful experience under control so I could temporarily feel better, but I wouldn't be actually healed for some time to come. She also referred me to a new gastroenterologist who I'm currently see seeing, which leads me to, I would, anytime if you have questions, I would love to talk about how you can advocate for your health because I am the biggest advocate now and I have lots to share that way. The summer of 21, we'd noticed Dylan becoming easily short of breath. Before having kids, we worked out regularly, and so since we hadn't been maybe quite as diligent in that area since having kids, Dylan chalked it up to just being out of shape. But there was one day in the late summer that he had gone out in our backyard to trim some dead tree branches in our backyard and came back inside and was just white as a ghost and was sweating bullets. I knew this was beyond being out of shape and called our practitioner. Notice I called our practitioner. He didn't. I called the practitioner to get him in for a stress test. He had mentioned some tightness in his chest as well, and we thought before he started working out again, we should have his heart checked. At that appointment, our practitioner also had a full blood lab workup done, and afterward, we didn't give it much thought. In fact, it was about a week later, she finally called Dylan and said we should put the stress test on hold for now, and instead she wanted to get us in to see an oncologist. That's never good. October 13th, 2021, shortly before 11 a.m., I'll never forget it, two days before our 10th wedding anniversary. Dylan was all but diagnosed with a rare and aggressive form of multiple myeloma. It's a plasma cell cancer, uh, also known as a blood cancer. There's nothing you do to get it. There's nothing you can do to not get it. Your marrow cells just sporadically start making bad copies, and those multiply. Many people experience kidney failure or intense bone pain, but for whatever reason, Dylan's only symptom was being short of breath, which was caused by what we learned was anemia, which is a low red blood cell count, likely because so many cancerous cells were crowding out his healthy red blood cells. In cooperation with our local oncologist, we would again head to Mayo Clinic in November. And here's kind of a funny story. His appointment was originally scheduled for sometime in January, but that just wasn't soon enough for us. When you know you have a cancer multiplying inside of your body, you just wanna get it out as quickly as, at least we did, as quickly as possible. Uh, so Dylan had called Mayo several times to try and move up his appointment with no success and was starting to feel really defeated. And one day he was just like, can you please call instead? I said, sure. The one time I called the friendly soul on the other end of the line, checked the calendar and said they had an appointment available the first week of November, done. We booked the appointment and made the plans, and I still remind him every once in a while how I saved the day that time. We sadly knew our way around the Mayo campus pretty well, because in addition to being the best gastroenterology doctors in the world, they're also the best in treating multiple myeloma. There, a bone marrow biopsy would show that 93% of Dylan's bone marrow was producing cancerous cells. Pretty scary number. We started treatment right away. Eight weeks of six-hour infusions followed by tandem or back-to-back -back stem cell transplants. Each would take Dylan away from us for six weeks at a time, and it was just a diagnosis that we didn't expect. Totally turned our world around. Cancer is a wrecking ball that comes in without warning. It was like a 30-second phone call, and everything went from woo to woo. Um, there's no manual to explain what to do next. It's very overwhelming and scary. 
And going on Google certainly didn't help. So we clung to Romans 8.28, and we know that in all things, God works for the good of those who love him, who have been called according to his purpose. And yet, at the same time, I found it extremely therapeutic to destroy things. I knew I needed to release some of the anger inside of me, and human emotions are kind of strange. Like, I knew I wasn't angry at God because I knew God didn't do this to us. And I wasn't angry at Dylan because it wasn't Dylan's fault, and it wasn't my fault, but I was just still so angry inside of me. At the time, the closest smash house was in Kansas City. Now I think there's one here in Wichita, much nicer. A smash house is where you pay money to go and smash the bejeebers out of things. You can smash dishes, cars, old computers, maybe a TV or two. You have a set amount of time, you go into a room and just smash everything you can. I loved it, it was so therapeutic, it was a blast. And even my melancholy, calm and collected, mostly introverted husband admitted he had fun and was glad I made him do it. And another funny story for you, if you know of the company Avon, Usually they're known for makeup, right? Well, at one time they made dishes, maybe they still do, I don't know. They made these little juice glasses and there were a few of them in our smash room. And we would nail those suckers with a ball bat and they would like chip. <laughs> so rest assured, we had our way with them and left them shattered on the ground. But if you have any of those Avon juice glasses, you should know that they are amazingly strong. Even after all of this, our trials weren't letting up. A few weeks later, uh, after getting back from Mayo, I, found, I experienced another ulcerative colitis flare in February of 22 that would take me completely out. I couldn't get out of bed, I couldn't keep food down, I couldn't care for our kids, and I was so terrified that it was a recurrence of that C. diff I had before because all the symptoms were the same. Thankfully, it wasn't. After several days in an Oklahoma City Hospital's ER, another colonoscopy revealed that my colon was shot. The odds of drugs healing my situation were small, and even if drugs worked, the likelihood of me being in the exact same spot a year later were about 100%. I was just tired of dealing with it. My specialist suggested I consider having a total colectomy ending in an ileostomy. And if you don't know what that is, it's okay. I didn't either at the time. I think I had to ask the surgeon to say it several times. I was like, what are you talking about? Can you say that again? A what? Um, I was so shocked by the developments, I could not understand the words the surgeon was saying and had to ask Dylan what was going on. I literally can remember looking at the surgeon as his mouth was going like this, and it's kind of like, I think it's peanuts maybe, or whatever the cartoon is where you hear wah, 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 and I was like, what is going on? And I look at Dylan, I'm like, what is he saying? And Dylan's probably like, she's not crazy, she's, she's just a little slow. <laughs> So to make things even more fun, this was exactly two weeks before we had planned to spend a week together on the beach in Galveston, Texas, before Dylan was supposed to leave for his first stem cell transplant. So you can call it divine timing, intense timing, I don't know. It was just a lot going on right there. And at this point, I got really mad. I was so mad. I'm like, was it not enough that my husband was dealing with cancer, and now we had to deal with this too? Our sweet little boys who had parents that were having to spend weeks away from them for treatments and... I was feeling so sick I couldn't carry our kids, let alone care for them. All our plans for the short-term and long-term future were being destroyed, and we couldn't do anything about it. It is an awful feeling. Chad and Shauna made the drive on a Saturday to come and spend some time with us, because we were so much fun to be with at that point, and lighten the mood and patiently listen as I cussed a blue streak about our situation and slowly came to terms with the fact that my life was about to change in another drastic way. I love Jesus but I cuss a lot. There are a lot of situations, I cuss a little, sorry. There are a lot of situations where gee darn just doesn't cut it for me. So I had to have, my, have it out. After a full 24 hours of crying and yelling and cussing, 
I got myself together and realized that if I was going to go on our family vacation to the beach, then I'd better get my name on the list for surgery. If I was going to have five feet of my gut removed, then I for sure as heck was not going to miss out on my time on the beach with my kids. We all have our priorities. On March 6th of last year, my entire colon was removed and my small intestine is now attached to the side of my body so I can poop. So I feel like when I, people hear this, they're like, how does that work? So just to let you know, it's, it's attached like right about here and I put on like a little wafer, there's an adhesive to the back and that sticks around it. And then this also has an adhesive and I stick it on that and that's how I poop. It was the most painful thing I've ever been through and I have had three kids, mind you. This recovery made childbirth seem like a walk in the park, but every day did get exponentially better. I think Dylan told me when they brought me out of surgery, I didn't move on the bed for eight hours. And the only reason I did was move was because some nasty nurse came in and made me. Um, I learned how to care for my ileostomy, and after almost 10 days in the hospital, I was so thrilled to go home and just see my kids. Although, I'm pretty sure that Dylan hit on our way home every single pothole on I-35 headed back up to Wichita. <laughs> At least it felt like it. I recovered well enough that we felt confident in taking our trip to Texas, so we did. I moved pretty slow and did a lot of sitting on the beach, but after all, that was why we booked the trip in the first place, to just sit and enjoy being together as a family at the beach. We rented a little Airbnb with the backyard was the beach and the ocean. It was amazing. A friend of Dylan's had given us $1,000 and told us to go make memories with our family, and that's what enabled us to take that trip. Dylan got to take a guided fishing trip with the boys where they took a boat out and went, I think it wasn't technically deep water fishing, they got to go salt water fishing. Um, I wasn't quite confident enough to hobble onto a boat. I thought, God forbid, if I get motion sickness and have to throw up, this is not going to feel good. So I'm like, I'm just going to stay here. But we made five days of wonderful special memories. And if you ask our boys about crab fishing, they would love to tell you about it. A couple days after we returned home, Dylan headed up to Mayo Clinic to start his first stem cell transplant. And I can remember having friends whose husbands would travel for a week for work and wonder, how do you survive an entire week without you know, your spouse to help with the kids? And now I was faced with doing the same thing, but for six weeks at a time, and then later on, six weeks again. And if you've ever spent some time with a spouse on the road, you know that if there's anything that's going to break or stop working, it will happen when your spouse is gone, right? So while Dylan was gone away for a stem cell transplant, we had a sprinkler pipe break, our washing machine broke, and we had a mice infestation in our garage. Thank you, Sean Horseman, who not only came over and set the traps to get rid of the mice, he also removed the remains for me. I was like, I don't know if I could do that, Sean. He took care of it. It was all gone. It's fabulous. We were blessed in so many ways. Our kids' school provided us with so many meals. They picked our kids up from home and school and took them where they needed to be and were constantly checking in to help. The community here helped in so many ways, again, from childcare to meals and more. My best friend took time out of her life to drive nine hours away to come care for me while Dylan was at work. She even bought our family a new couch because she couldn't stand the sight of me laying uncomfortably on the nasty one we had. Dylan's employer allowed him to have so much extra time off, provided financial support and meals. Their health insurance has been easy to work with when it comes to getting Dylan the treatments that are best for him and not necessarily the most cost efficient because as some of you may know, cancer treatments aren't cheap. We had people offer to help us with our laundry, offer to clean our home. Our parents came and stayed with us for weeks at a time. I had an aunt and uncle who stayed with us for a week and a family friend of Dylan's family 
uh, offered to spend an entire week with me and the boys just helping me do tasks around the house and caring for the kids. I mean, when you have three kids under the age of six and you can only lift 10 pounds, that's a problem. But we were blessed with all these people sharing with us. Um, there's probably blessings I'm forgetting to mention, but in all the emotions we've felt the past few years, I don't think we've ever felt alone. And looking back now, it's overwhelming to look at how far we've come, but it's even crazier to think about all the help we had to get us here where we are. We cannot do life alone, and that's part of what we're about here at New Life, is that authentic community. It is so important to have special people in your lives who are doing the daily battles with you so that when life does get hard and challenges happen, they're there, they know you, they can be there to support you. It makes a horrible situation so much better. We're about a year out now from all of that happening, and the scriptures that I shared with you today have a different meaning to us now than before. Consider it pure joy. I'm going to read this a lot, so hopefully you remember it. Consider it pure joy, my brothers and sisters, whenever you face trials of many kinds. So the trials. We face the trials of this broken world. We had the job loss, the miscarriage, a cancer diagnosis. But knew through it all that God was for us, he heard us, and would not let our suffering be for nothing. Because it's never about how God feels about us, because we know that God loves us unconditionally. But we do live in a horribly broken world. And because Jesus suffered for us, we have hope in what's to come, and no matter what our current circumstance is. Because you know that the testing of your faith produces perseverance. And perseverance comes over time. You don't just wake up and have perseverance. Through the trials I've shared today, we focused on one day at a time, sometimes one hour at a time, and there were a few times where I remember thinking one minute at a time. And we just did it over and over, knowing that even though it didn't feel like it in the moment, our trials wouldn't last forever, and that better things were going to come. And that kept us coming back day after day. Let perseverance finish its work so you may be mature and complete, not lacking anything. You know that steering wheel of life that I white-knuckled before? Through the testing and trials and perseverance, I now know that I never controlled anything in the first place, and that was a huge waste of my energy. There is freedom that comes from the suffering. Freedom in truly knowing and experiencing that God is for us, and he will turn anything that happens to us in this broken world to good. Would you believe I've relaxed my grip? I have acknowledged what I can control and what I can't. One of Dylan's and my favorite sayings now is, it is what it is, and sometimes people like to put a negative connotation with that, but to us, it means that if we can't change it, we're not worrying about it, and there is a lot of freedom in knowing that. There's freedom after all that suffering and knowing that this broken world cannot mess with us anymore. We are rock solid, man. I don't invite any more challenges, but we know that whatever comes our way, We've got this. So much of what we suffered from in the beginning of our trials would seem like mere inconveniences today. You want to take my job? Okay. We can't buy the house? Fine. The things that now, they seem really trivial. The hope in Jesus changes everything when you've suffered through some of these trials. So what do the trials look like for you? Maybe it's multiple miscarriages or financial hardships, secrets you're hiding from loved ones, infertility, Suffering with kids making poor choices, dealing with career aspirations that didn't come to fruition. I have one more verse today, and it's also in Romans, but it's chapter 5, verses 3 through 5. Not only so, but we also glory in our sufferings, because we know that suffering produces perseverance, perseverance, character, and character hope. And hope does not put us to shame, because God's love has been poured out into our hearts through the Holy Spirit who's been given to us. It is hope that changes everything. But Jesus says hope comes from character, which we develop when we persevere. 
And when do we persevere when we're going through trials and suffering? Hope changes our pain and grief into perseverance and character. What you're going through is not for nothing. And it's not just your hope that comes from the character and perseverance. It's hope for others who see you fighting the battles and enduring the trials. Your character and perseverance encourages others too. And that's one of the biggest reasons I want our boys to have a strong personal faith, because life will not always be kind, happy, and easy. As I said, we all know, we live in a broken world, but for them, I want them to know that what can come from suffering and who they can turn to in the middle of it. And I want them looking to Jesus, not the world. And like I said earlier, we most definitely hope we've hit a nice long pause in our trials. Maybe never have another one. That would be great. And we know that may not be the case. We hope it is. But if it isn't, we know why we suffer and what comes from it. So we may have learned some lessons the past couple years, but just want to let you all know that we don't have it all figured out. I'm still a work in progress. There are other situations created by our trials that I haven't quite resolved yet or come to peace with. Our testimony is no longer vanilla. Dan, if you want the band to come up as I finish up here. You might call it more Rocky Road, which is funny because I've always preferred Rocky Road to vanilla when it comes to ice cream. I still can't say that I wouldn't change what's happened to us because to be honest, if given the chance to go back to our nice little vanilla bubble, I would probably still take it. Maybe that will change over time. I can be pretty stubborn in that view. But we have seen amazing blessings come through all of it, and I'm sure I'll get there. For us, suffering was a way for our church to show us Jesus, and we saw Jesus big time. So just to leave you with one final thought is that hope comes from suffering, and hope changes everything. Thanks for letting me share.